0: Let's bow once more in prayer and ask God for His help and for wisdom as we come to His Word this morning. Please bow with me. Father in heaven, we come this morning asking for Your help. We come this morning seeking wisdom from Your Word, and we ask by the power of Your Holy Spirit that You would humble us to receive Your Word this morning. We pray You'd remind us of just how generous You are to give to those who ask, and we come Asking once again, Lord, asking for your help, Lord, asking for humility to listen, to consider your word, and asking for the power of your Holy Spirit to change us this morning. Lord, I thank you for the honor it is to preach your word, and I ask for your help to preach faithfully, Lord, to preach joyfully, Lord, to preach with an urgency by which your, your word requires that we would listen and take your word, and so we ask for help in all of that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. It's hard to believe another school year is upon us. I know a lot of us track the calendar on that year. Some of us don't, but a lot of us do. And uh, for my family, that means we're at the time of year, we're asking, how did time go by so fast? And I don't just mean the summer months. It feels like summer goes by way too fast for all of us. But how did time go by so fast, meaning we've got Three kids now, no longer really kids, but three kids in high school, parents of three high schoolers. We've still got a fifth grader, so we still feel young a little bit. That's nice to have. We asked ourselves the question, how did we get here so fast? You probably said that. How has time gone by so fast? I remember when our kids were younger and I'd take them out somewhere and I'd come across somebody older than me, somebody that might have been the age about my grandparents, and they would kind of smile seeing a young family and seeing children. They would say something like this. They're going to grow up before you know it. And I feel like I'm presently in that stage of life right now where I'm feeling that. They are growing up. Time is going by. It all goes by so fast. Well, the book of Proverbs helps us understand that reality. There's a brevity to life. There's a certainty that that time goes by, a certainty to death, a certainty that this life will be Over a certainty that unless Christ returns first, there will be an an end to our life here on earth that comes in death, and therefore we should number the days and ask God for wisdom. You see, the book of Proverbs it helps us approach life honestly, it presents life as it really is, it gives us a real look, it helps us understand as Christians that if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've been saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus, and at the moment of conversion, God put your feet and firmly placed them on this path of wisdom, path of truth, a path of of righteousness. It's a path where Christ is. It's life with Him, united to Him by faith. Yet this side of glory, we will regularly be tempted to turn over, to turn back to that path of folly, that path of unrighteousness, a, a path of wickedness. You see, the book of Proverbs helps us to approach life honestly, and it impresses upon our heart the need for wisdom, but also understand it impresses upon us, and we'll see this, this morning in Proverbs 8, just how generous God has been, how generous He is with His people, how generous He will continue to be with all those who trust Him to supply us with the wisdom that we need to honor Him, to worship Him, and to walk with Him in this life and in the next. Well, today's our, our final sermon, for now at least, in Proverbs, chapter 8. Chapter is a wonderful chapter there in Proverbs. Go ahead and turn with me now. If you haven't already done so, if you want to use that pew Bible in front of you, take that pew Bible, use it this morning, and you can turn to page 800. Excuse me, 532. 532, Book of Proverbs, Chapter 8, page 532. And if you've come this morning and you don't own a Bible, use that Bible this morning, and then take that Bible home with you. That's our that's our gift to you. We say this every week, but we'd love to connect you with someone that could read the Bible with you. You could stop by any of the doors afterwards. We'll have pastors there or just talk to a member around you. We'd love to help you learn more about who God is and what He has said in His Word. Well, we heard the the chapter read through previously by Andy. Andy, thank you for reading that. And so this morning, we're going to jump right in, and I want to give you the main idea that I want us to see in Proverbs 8. Here's the main idea if you're taking notes. Take hold of God's wisdom and walk the path of blessing. Take hold of God's wisdom, and walk the path of blessing. We've made our way through 10 lessons. It's really the introduction to Proverbs, 10 lessons from father to son, from King Solomon to his sons, and the last three lessons in chapter 5 and chapter 6 and chapter 7, uh, we've noted they have had more of a negative tone to them. Telling us what we should avoid, uh, a warning, there, those final lessons containing strong warnings to cling to God's commands, and specifically in those lessons, to avoid adultery, to live in light of the seventh commandment. We must take the path of wisdom. That's what that, those lessons have been imparting to us. But here in chapter 8, uh, things turn back to a positive note. In chapter 8, uh, a hopeful tone is what we hear in chapter 8, pointing you to this path of wisdom, helping us see the benefits of wisdom, the blessings of wisdom. You see, Proverbs help us see how life really is. There are consequences for walking in folly, and there are blessings for walking in wisdom. King Solomon wanted his sons to know, live this life. Live this life with God. There's great blessing, great reward there. There's no better life than a life with God's wisdom. Avoid this life. This path of folly, it makes promises and never keeps them. It makes promises that you'll be satisfied if you turn to her, but she'll leave you empty and dry and dead in the end. Well, there's four points I want us to see this morning as we make our way through this final chapter here in our series, Proverbs chapter 8, four points this morning that help us consider God's Wisdom. Let's first consider in verses 1 through 11, the worth of wisdom. Verses 1 through 11, the worth of wisdom. Here in Proverbs 8, if you listened earlier, wisdom is personified as a woman. You read there in verse 1, does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice. Now, keep in mind the context here. King Solomon, he's writing to his sons. So, he uses the personification of a woman and calls them, unite yourselves to her. Embrace her. Embrace wisdom. And now, what's happening with this personification? Uh, There's a contrast being made here. Proverbs 5, Proverbs 6, Proverbs 7, those, those last Three lessons there from father to son. King Solomon gave his son's warnings to avoid the adulterous woman. Well, here he uses another image of a, a woman, right? So the adulterous woman, she calls out with smooth speech. But there is another voice, the woman of wisdom, who is calling out and raising her voice. Turn away from the adulterous woman. Embrace woman wisdom. Listen to the voice of of wisdom. Embrace her. And so, for our purposes this morning, following with this personification, we will refer to her as woman wisdom. We see in Proverbs chapter 8, this personification, woman wisdom. Again, this proverb has a hopeful outlook, and it's based on the reality that wisdom calls out broadly, loudly, publicly. Look at all the places that woman wisdom cries out there, starting in verse 2, the heights beside the way, the crossroads. Think about busy intersections. That's right where woman wisdom is, where the traffic is coming through at the crossroads, crying out to all who would pass by. The gates in front of the town. So, So think about like uptown where the courthouse is where decisions are being made there in those government buildings. That the gates back in those days, it's the place where important decisions were made. Well, woman wisdom's there, and she's crying out with a loud voice. The entrance of the portals, right? So so the entrance of the city, all who come in, they're going to pass by her. Her voice is going to be crying out. Can't come into the city without going through the entrance. That's where woman wisdom is. In the most public places where people gather, that's the picture there, God's wisdom is crying out, which is good news God's wisdom is not hidden. It's not just for the elite. It's not just for a select few. It's not just for the really intellectual people. It's not for the people who seem to really have outstanding morals. God's wisdom cries out to everyone. His wisdom is not hidden. Notice that starting in verse 4, we see the text there in quotes. And the personification of wisdom continuing on there. Woman wisdom declaring, starting in verse 4, to you, O men... I call, and my cry is to the children of man. Continuing on in verse 5, we see that wisdom cries out broadly to those who are simple, even to fools. Wisdom accessible to everyone, to everyone who would turn and embrace. Wisdom is accessible, readily available to all. You know, the, the apostle Paul speaks of the same reality in Romans chapter one, saying the God's revealed Himself broadly in creation. You can go outside about eight thirty tonight, if it's not too cloudy, you'll see a beautiful sunset. And the idea is that any person, the common person, can look up at the sun, and you should be able to understand the beauty there, it didn't just show up one day. It didn't just come out of nowhere. A beautiful work of art like a sunset came from an artist came from a creator who had a design to fill the earth with his glory. Creation didn't just show up. There is a creator. God's word is true. The Apostle Paul, he uses that logic in Romans chapter 1 to say God's wisdom is evident. It's seen everywhere. People are without excuse. Your heart may be hardened, and you may turn away from that. You may deny that. You may reject that. But it doesn't make this untrue, that God's wisdom is seen everywhere. And he made that so general in creation. Now, God's wisdom calls out, and therefore, you must pay attention to this woman. That's the lesson here. Pay attention to this woman. And in this section, we find two commands in light of wisdom calling out. The first command there in verse 6, hear. The second command there in verse 10, take. Hear, take. God's wisdom crying out hear, and then take that wisdom. First and verse 6, hear her voice. You see the description there, her words are noble. She speaks what is right. Truth comes from her mouth. There's nothing twisted or distorted that she speaks. She does not use wicked speech, which means you can kind of test the speech of this world and test, test the speech of God's wisdom And there's going to be something distinct about words that come from God's wisdom. They're going to be true and noble. Words from God's wisdom build up. If you're around somebody who just uses really uplifting language, like uses God's word to build people up, that's just a godly person. And evidence of that in their life is that they use wise speech. They want to tear people up. They use the words, I'm sorry. I was wrong. They use the words, I love you, God loves you. But they use the phrase, here's what God has said. What a way to encourage someone is just to point them to what God has already said. You don't have to find the word somehow for the right situation. Just look to his word and speak his word joyfully to those around you. You see in this description of wisdom, Solomon is pointing his sons, listen for her voice. There's a lot of competing voices out there, but listen for her voice. God's wisdom, it's accessible, it's available. The question is, are you hearing His voice? Well, you made a decision to come here this morning. And we're spending a a good portion of our time this morning, in fact, all of our time this morning, from the call to worship where you were praying silently, the first voice you heard that Pastor Jonathan spoke during that time of prayer to end it, it was the Word of God, Scripture. That's how he ended our time of prayer, God's voice calling out, calling His people to worship. And then we sang God's word. We heard God's word read, and we pray God's word. And we're sitting down under the preaching of God's word. And we'll come and see the word of God and the Lord's Supper. We're coming to hear. We're coming to be changed. We're coming to submit to God's wisdom. His wisdom's accessible and available. Are you hearing? Where well, there are a lot of voices that call out to you. I mean, consider the, the voices that you hear on social media. Now, there's a lot of things that, that promise, like in technology, they promise progress, and that's true. Technology has brought us some progress, and, and you've heard me say before, I don't think we have to give the Heisman to technology and give it the stiff arm. I think we also don't have to fully embrace technology and adapt our lives to it. You've heard me compare it to give it, give it the side hug, Right? There's good things that you can learn. There's good things that you can hear. I I receive lots of good book recommendations online. I I come across podcasts and articles that are helpful and and useful that help me learn more about God and who He is. So there's good things, but there's also lots of voices and messages there that you have to test, that you hear on social media, that you hear in cable news media, if you still listen and watch that, uh, that you see on Netflix. As you're watching shows and movies, there are messages going out and The songs you listen to all have messages. You see, Christianity is a religion of the ear, and it's about filling the mind. It's not about emptying the mind. That's Eastern religion. It's about filling the mind, that we want to fill our minds with the truth of God's Word, because we want to understand and discern the voice of God in the midst of a culture that has so many voices crying out that are seeking to shape us seeking to change us, seeking to gain control of our minds. We want to be controlled by the Word of God with the help of His Holy Spirit. In other words, what Solomon's telling his sons here, you need to be discerning of the voices that you hear. Those messages you're hearing regularly on social media and entertainment, are they true and righteous words? Are the voices you're listening to helping you grow as a Christian? helping you prize God and to praise Him. I'm not advocating for a monastic life. I think you can praise God watching a football game. I really do. Uh, the Apostle Paul says so much in First 1 Corinthians 10 31, whether we eat or drink, like those basic tasks you do every day, do it all to what? The glory of God. If God's wisdom is everywhere, it means we can praise Him everywhere. Uh, We we can even thank him for things. I I think, if anything, he gave us football just as something that we can have fun with other people with and, and enjoy a good game and celebrate when our team wins and form friendships around something simple like that that's certainly cultural. But we can find God and praise him in all of it. Look for wisdom. Listen for wisdom around you. And while the voice of wisdom is calling out, not only must you hear her voice, the second command is to take her. You must embrace her. Look at verse 10, take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Wisdom calls out everywhere for people to take her. Embrace wisdom and, and the logic are very simple. God's wisdom is a far greater value than all of the riches of this world all that you may desire in this world cannot compare with her. Why is God's wisdom better than jewels, better than riches? And back then that was silver and gold. Not a lot of you have silver and gold and you're safe. Maybe some of you invest in silver and gold. Most of you don't possess that outside of maybe a few items of jewelry. So today I think that's large houses Lavish experiences that you saw on Instagram Reels, like 10 things to do in Charlotte this week, and you're going to go do that because that looks like a really exciting life, and I'm going to go pursue these things. I'm a FOMO if I don't live like this. It's just experiences, things we can gain, achievement, accomplishment, things we can hang on the wall in our office. Those types of things are riches, or we think rich in experience, rich in possessions. Well, why is wisdom, God's wisdom, better than worldly riches? Well, we see in the book of Proverbs that, that living by God's wisdom, it produces good outcomes. So generally speaking, healthy relationships come from God's wisdom. Uh, a fruitful life comes from God's wisdom. Biblical morals come from God's wisdom. Obedience to God's commands come from God's wisdom. And money can't buy any of those things I just listed. Money can't buy you a fruitful life. Money can't buy you healthy relationships. And sometimes money gets in the way of healthy relationships. Even if you're able to hold on to your money, not lose it. Think about how, 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 how basic it is. You can lose money. You can lose it in a falling stock market. It can be taken away from you. My, my 92-year-old grandmother, we received some terrible news recently. She lives in an assisted living facility, and someone stole her wedding ring there. And my grandpa, who's dead, stole his wedding band. It takes a pretty dark person to steal from a 92-year-old woman. She was able to hold on to those things her whole life until someone has come towards the very end of her life and stolen those possessions from her. It's a sad reminder that even if we hold on to those things our whole life and they don't get taken from us or we don't lose them, they won't come with us. And what really matters most, money can't buy that. All you have to do to obtain God's wisdom, ask Him. Ask Him. He gives it freely to those who turn to Him. But but the idea of what King Solomon, what I think he's doing with his sons here, is pointing them, consider the worth of wisdom. I heard this question asked recently. uh, What do you want to leave behind? If you could leave behind one thing to your children as an inheritance, what would it be? Certainly, there's possessions you want to pass on to them, family keepsakes. It's good if your parents pass on money to you. I just dropped off my parents at the airport to go on a European cruise, and my dad joked with me, we're out spending you and your brother's inheritance. I said, hey, do it. You, you earned it. Go enjoy it. Go spend it. Go enjoy it, right? It's a wonderful thing, though, if, if parents can bless their kids in that way. But if you could leave your kids one thing, what would it be? For King Solomon, it wasn't his riches. He was richer than any other earthly king. He's actually saying, I can leave you all these jewels, and I can leave you all of these riches, but that's not what you really need. The one thing he wanted to leave them was God's wisdom. The voice of the world says, fulfill your desires with the riches of the world. Consume and enjoy. The voice of wisdom cries out, God alone can satisfy. What more do you need than what He's already provided? His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what you need. We use the, the word need far too often in far too many ways that just simply isn't accurate. I need a new job. I need a new parachute. I, I, need, a, I need more friends in my life. Well, those are fine to desire those things, wonderful things to desire, to ask God to provide. But He's already provided what we need. We need to have our sins forgiven. We need to be brought close to God. We need to be taken from the dominion of of sin, the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of his light. We need God's grace. We need his mercy. We need his forgiveness. We need righteousness that's found in him, and he's already provided it through sending his son Jesus down to earth to die on the cross and to rise from the dead and extend that new life to anyone who would hear the gospel and take that gospel, meaning repent and believe in Jesus. The voice of wisdom cries out. There's no greater thing we can receive than God's wisdom provided in His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, think about your life. Does the pattern of your life reflect that you value God's wisdom more than the riches of this present world? Does the pattern of your life reflect that you you value God's wisdom more? than the riches of this present world. Brother and sister in the Lord, have you gotten off track? If we're honest, we all do. We get distracted. We give in to temptation far more often than we'd like to admit. And Sunday mornings, it's a weekly opportunity on the Lord's Day, on the morning that Jesus got out from the dead, to seek His grace, to get back on track, to walk that path of wisdom, To walk that path of truth and joy, the path where Jesus Christ is. And God is just so generous to bring us back to that path. Maybe that's just something you need to ask him this morning. Lord, help me to live more in light of your wisdom. Increase my appetite for you and for your word. Help me to walk with you. Sunday morning, we get to do that together. Well, let's have a a second consideration here, point two, verses 12 through 21. The second consideration, the benefits of wisdom. The benefits of wisdom. Well, Why is wisdom more valuable than the riches of this world? Another reason, because wisdom, God's wisdom, affects every aspect of your life, God's wisdom profits you in every situation. His wisdom profits you in every relationship that you have, in every conversation that you have. You need wisdom with your money, with your physical health, and most importantly, wisdom profits you spiritually, in your spiritual health, to walk in the fear of the Lord. In verses 12 through 21, we see the benefits of God's wisdom. Now, right there in verses 12 through 14, we see that that wisdom has some family members, if you will, right? So unite with wisdom, and you get her family. Who she associates with becomes family of yours. Look at verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. So when you embrace wisdom, you get her family. She dwells with prudence. You get wisdom, you get prudence. Wisdom is accompanied by knowledge and discretion. And the list of what accompanies wisdom keeps going on in verse 13. The fear of the Lord, hating evil, hating what God hates. Verse 14 wisdom comes with counsel, insight, strength. If you get wisdom, you get all of those benefits from the Lord. Embrace with wisdom, unite with her, and you get connected to her family. Let's look at this. This first mention there in verse 12 is that when you get God's wisdom, you also obtain prudence. Prudence is common sense. It's good judgment. You need common sense just to drive down independence, especially to drive down independence expressway. And some of you drive, like you don't have common sense down there, right? So slow down a little bit. We need common sense in everything we do. I mean, we make so many decisions a day. I think I quoted in an earlier sermon uh, that you, you make about five to 8,000 decisions uh, every day. That's what one article claimed at least. And wisdom, we need wisdom in all of those decisions. We need common sense and, and prudence. Wisdom also gives you discretion, which means being careful. Those who have God's wisdom will exercise careful discretion with your words, discretion in your actions, discretion in your decisions. In other words, wisdom supplies you with what you need to honor God in your everyday life. All of your decisions matter to God, and therefore He gives wisdom for every one of your decisions. Just another reason why wisdom is so valuable. You know, I've mentioned this before, you may often want a, a manual for your life. It, it'd be easy if like the Bible just told us every single decision we needed to make, like what job you needed to take, uh, you know, what, what car you needed to buy, uh, who you needed to date and marry, that if, if God's Word just made that clear to you, you think this would be awesome. And sometimes you may wrongly live like God's Word has spoken about some things that He really hasn't spoken on. There's just Christian liberty in a number of different areas. And sometimes Christians uh, get so caught up in their own personal convictions and thinking that everyone needs to think the same way they do about education, about entertainment, and all those types of things. Uh, that's just trying to act like God's given us a manual for every decision of life. Well, He's given us something better than that. He's given us His Spirit from the moment that you put your faith in Jesus Christ and therefore open up your heart to receive His Word. And we keep, we're on this trail, so to speak, for the rest of our lives seeking his wisdom for everyday life. And that's what we see here. God supplies that wisdom to those who ask. But most importantly, taking hold of God's wisdom, while it helps you in all those everyday decisions, most of all, taking hold of God's wisdom, it profits you spiritually. In verse 13, we see that those who live in wisdom walk in the fear of the Lord. Fearing God, walking in reverence to him, delighting in him above everyone and everything. Walking the path of wisdom and fearing the Lord avoids the way of evil, which is filled with pride and arrogance. What we see here, perverted speech. And then look at verse 14. Wisdom says, I have strength. Wisdom gives you the spiritual strength to live in a manner pleasing to the Lord. It's one thing to know what to do. It's one thing to have knowledge, to know what is wise in a situation. It's another thing to have the strength to walk in that wisdom, the strength to keep walking in that wisdom, the strength that when you recognize you're on the path of folly, to turn away from that. It all requires spiritual strength to turn away from sin, to turn away from temptation, spiritual strength to exercise self-control. Spiritual strength to carry on in the way of the Lord, to persevere, that all comes from hearing and taking God's wisdom. In other words, if you embrace wisdom, you will see tremendous benefit, but you must embrace her. In verse 17, we read, I love those who love me, and those who seek me will diligently find me. Wisdom calls out, you must love her. You must embrace her. If you love her, she will love you. If you pursue her, seek her diligently, you will find her. And those who find her find life. You actually see prosperity language there in verse 18 and verse 21. Sometimes in our circles we get uncomfortable with that. Like, oh, wow, I'm seeing here that wisdom brings riches and enduring wealth and an inheritance and that wisdom fills treasuries. Well, What does that mean? Well, in the old covenant, God's people inherited material blessings. That was part of His covenant. You think about a, a land flowing with milk and honey. That's a prosperous fruitful piece of physical land to inherit. In the new covenant, through faith in Jesus Christ, there is still an inheritance. There's a spiritual inheritance in heaven. One day it will be physical, Revelation chapter 21, the new heavens and the new earth, right? That's final, the final inheritance. Full of prosperity that we will endure throughout eternity if we walk on the path of wisdom. Saying there is prosperity for those who travel this path. We need wisdom, and the good news here, those who seek wisdom will find it. God is generous to give wisdom. His role is to give wisdom. Your role is to take it. It's simple. His role is to give wisdom. Your role is to take it. And we take it first by asking God for his wisdom. We read James chapter 1, verse 5 this morning. It's a wonderful promise. If any of you lacks wisdom... Which everyone can say yes and amen. If anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. God is a giver of wisdom. God delights in giving wisdom to his children. You know, I'm at the age, and maybe you're at the age now, where at Christmas time, when you're asked, like, what do you want? You draw a blank. I don't know what I want. I mean, when I was a kid, I knew what I wanted. I was a kid in the 80s, and I'd just open up the Sears catalog. Some of you are old enough to know what I'm talking about. Sears was a department store. They had a catalog. They'd send it to you. You'd open it up. As a kid, I'd come up with my Christmas wish list, and my grandparents would get me all the things my parents wouldn't get me. It was really it was great. I mean, we'd ask for this, and this is what I'd get. And at some point in life, it kind of changes where you understand just the joy it is in giving to others. The joy is to give something to others and like watch their face light up when you give them something they like. That's just an enjoyable experience. Well, God delights. It's just who he is. He possesses all things. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And him is true wisdom. And he delights in giving that wisdom to anyone who asks. God delights in giving wisdom to his children. The question is not, will God be generous with me? The question is, will you ask him? Will you ask him for wisdom? The question is, how often will you ask him for wisdom? Not how often will he give it to you. The question is, will you keep on asking him for wisdom? When life gets hard, there is joy down here and there is pain. There are burdens. Will you keep asking God in those hard seasons? God is generous to give wisdom. Ask him for it. Our third consideration there in verses 22 through 31, the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom. Another reason that wisdom is so valuable is that wisdom has been around long before anything you can see around you. Longer than the sun and the moon and the stars, before humanity existed, before all of creation, Wisdom was there. Verses 22 through 31, they go back to creation and show that before all of creation, wisdom was there, and in all that God created, He used wisdom to create what you see around you. Look there in verses 22 and and 23. as, As woman, wisdom continues to speak. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work, the first of His acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first... Before the beginning of the earth. In other words, wisdom was around before this world was. That's why wisdom, God's wisdom, is more valuable than anything in the world. Because it predates the world. How old is wisdom? Older than anything you can see. Verse 24. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. The passage continues on all the way through verse 31 with this allusion to Genesis chapter 1 and God's creation, communicating the reality that wisdom was present with God during the act of creation. Everything you read in Genesis 1 and 2, God's wisdom preceded that. Verse 30 says, then I was beside him. Wisdom was present at the side of God while he was creating everything. Emphasizing that that wisdom has a close relationship with God. The end of verse 30, I was daily his delight. Picturing a joyful relationship with God in eternity past. The point is, that same wisdom that's crying out in the streets, publicly accessible, available to all who would take it, that wisdom that God is so generous to give to those who ask, is the wisdom that was present with God as he created and established this very world. That's the same wisdom available to you this morning. That's the wisdom that God gives to everyone who asks. That's the wisdom that we're long to take and to receive. It's an ancient wisdom. It's a heavenly wisdom. And the choice is clear because wisdom always presents us a choice and an opportunity. The choice is clear here. You can either have the wisdom of this world or you can have the wisdom that existed before the world. You can live your life by the wisdom of this world or you can live your life according to the wisdom by which God created this world. You can keep living by man's wisdom or you can live by the wisdom through which man was created. I mean, when you put it like that, the choice seems pretty easy. Well, of course, I want this, this wisdom that's otherworldly. I want this world's wisdom that's greater than self, that existed long before I did, and will exist long after I am gone. In the picture here, I think Solomon's building up. There is nothing in the world that can compare to God's wisdom, because God used wisdom to create all that is in the world. Who can compare it to God? and his wisdom. Who wouldn't want to enjoy a God like that? Who wouldn't want to live their life in fellowship with this God, full of power and wisdom and might and authority, worthy of all honor and praise, transcendent, lifted up so high above us, yet draws near to invite us into fellowship with him? And the point here is clear. If God created everything by wisdom, You need this wisdom. The greatest folly you can commit is to reject God's wisdom. And the only way to receive His wisdom is to receive His Son, Jesus, by faith. Now, there are two different ways to interpret this proverb. Is woman wisdom Jesus, or does she merely point I mean, we know the Old Testament points to what God was going to do in Jesus. These Old Testament saints looking forward to what God would do in revealing Himself. Well, the New Testament authors certainly draw on Proverbs 8.22 as a passage to, to, to communicate Jesus' incarnation. When Jesus, the eternal Son of God, came down to earth in Bethlehem and was born as a tiny little baby. One of those texts is Colossians chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul seems to have this proverb in mind, and he connects it to Jesus. So, Proverbs 8, we see that wisdom is the agent of God's creation, and Colossians 1, the Apostle Paul says that Jesus is the agent of God's creation. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, talking about Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, talking about Jesus, for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Well, the commentaries are split on this one and scholars who dedicated their entire scholastic careers to this verse, uh, they disagree on this. So I get a week to study it and determine which side I'm most persuaded by. So this week... Who I'm most persuaded by, I, I think this is really prefiguring Jesus. It's pointing to Jesus. I'm most persuaded that the personification of wisdom here, with woman wisdom, it, it prefigures and points to Jesus. He's the perfect embodiment of God's wisdom. Again, either way, whichever way you interpret it, I think the point's the same. To know wisdom is to know Jesus. There is no other. What? Consider that wisdom existed with God before all things. Jesus also existed with God before all things. Wisdom descended from heaven and offers blessing to the masses, the blessing of knowing God, being forgiven of your your sin against God. Well, Jesus descended from heaven And he offers blessing to the masses. He's the one who would lay down his life that you might be forgiven of your sins of God. He's the one who offers true righteousness from God to all who would receive. He's the one, the only one through whom you can know the God who created you. He's the only one in whom you can have your sins forgiven if you repent and believe in his name. He's the only one that can bring you into the family of God to be adopted as his child now and forevermore. Woman wisdom is great. Christ is greater. He is the fulfillment of wisdom. He is the embodiment of wisdom, truly God and truly man. There's no one like him. Christ alone reconciles fools, sinners, rebels like us to himself, all by grace, through the blood of his cross and through his resurrection from the dead, he graciously brings about new creations, in the lives of those who would trust in him, and he dwells inside all of those who receive him. There's no greater life than life with union in Jesus Christ. He is what you need for everyday life to honor God. He's the only way to live a life that pleases God and that is received by him on that last day. You see, later on in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul reveals that Jesus is wisdom from God. He's not merely saying Jesus is wise, he's saying Jesus is wisdom, the embodiment of wisdom. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30, Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. Jesus is wisdom. Christ is the wisdom of God, the eternal Son of God who came down to earth. You see, Solomon was exhorting his sons to have a relationship with woman wisdom, to embrace her, and as those who live this side of the cross of Jesus Christ and his empty tomb, we know that to have a relationship with wisdom is to have a relationship with God by repenting of your sin and putting your faith in Jesus, that you'd be united to God. One final consideration, verses 32 through 36, the blessing of wisdom. The blessing of wisdom. This passage ends with one final invitation and a warning, and that's how we'll end our sermon. For those who take the path of wisdom, there is blessing, and for those who take the path of folly, there's a curse. Wisdom calls out, we must listen. Woman wisdom has made her case, And she closes with a call to listen. Notice the connection here between blessing and listening. Look at verse 32. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Again in verse 34. Blessed is the one who listens to me. For those who listen, the blessing of verse 35, for whoever finds me, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. God's wisdom brings life. And the only way to embrace God's wisdom is to put your faith in Jesus. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the what? And the life. Jesus came to bring this very life to us with God. The only way to find life, eternal life with God, is to repent and believe in Jesus. But in the midst of this invitation, it's a wonderful invitation to an unimaginable blessing, don't miss out the way this proverb closes with a warning to those who reject this wisdom from heaven, with a warning to those who resign themselves to live by worldly wisdom. Verse 36, but he who fails to find me Injures himself. All who hate me love death. In our pastor's conversation about this passage this week, one of our pastors said, This is like the ultimate mic drop at the end. It is. Just takes it in. He who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. VN, Proverbs 8. Embracing God's wisdom, it is the path that brings life, but rejecting God's wisdom, it is the path. Be sure. It leads to death. It's a final warning we need to hear. God's wisdom, it cries out and prevent, presents us with a choice. Will you live by the wisdom of man or the wisdom of God? Worldly wisdom or wisdom that existed before this world? And it begs the question, what path are you presently walking on? For everyone here this morning, what path are you presently walking? traveling. You can't say both of them. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. There's a call to wisdom. For Christians, we'll be tempted by the path of folly, but the enduring hope we have is that the one who brought us to the path of wisdom, Jesus Christ himself, he will keep us there. But if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus, that means you're not a Christian. It means you haven't received the good news of Jesus Christ. You might believe some things about Jesus. You might celebrate Christmas and Easter, but it doesn't mean that you're a Christian just because you do those things. If you've never turned to put your faith in Jesus, you're on the path of folly. It will end in death. The voice of God's wisdom and word have gone out this morning, and you're left with a choice. What path do you want to remain on? And I hope if you've been here, for this series, and you've not yet put your faith in Jesus. Whoever you are, you might be a child of one of our church members here. I hope you talk to your parents today about what it would look like to be on this path of wisdom today. If you're one of our guests here, talk to one of our pastors or any of our members on the way out, what it would look like to get right with God and to walk in His wisdom today. Wisdom is there for the taking. Go and get it. And fellow church member, The question we need to remember, the wrong question is not, will God give me wisdom? Of course he will. The question we need to remember, will you take it? Will you ask God for his wisdom? Will you persist in asking him for wisdom? He invites you to do so. Let's do that now. Father in heaven, we are in need of wisdom and help. Lord, we're in need of wisdom from your throne this morning. Uh, we're in need of encouragement. Lord, we're in need of reminders. We're in need of being stirred up by way of this reminder. We pray you'd turn our attention now to what you've already provided in your son, Jesus, who blood bloodshed for us and his body given for us, that we would be reminded of the joy it is of knowing you and traveling this path of wisdom with Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen.